Hey guys, I'm jumping on here right before this thing gets started because I wanted to explain a few things. Number one, this was recorded back in November of last year, November 22nd, 2022, as a matter of fact, and I lost it. I have not, I couldn't find it. And I put it on my to-do list today to find this thing, to upload it for you guys. And I found it. I decided to listen to it first because I thought I had the list somewhere, but apparently I threw the list away or I put it somewhere else. And I've been sitting here taking notes. I mean, I'm going to say, I have a, I jump on here at the end as well. I don't know. Like I, some of the stuff I'm sitting here going, where did this come from? And like, how did I come up with this list of like, all, all I can think of, I did pray before I made this whole thing. And I think I was really guided because I'm just going to make this my new go-to thing. Anytime I'm feeling like I've been feeling today, this just, oh my goodness. It's just been like, I needed to hear all of this again. Every single bit of this has been helping me over the last year. And it really is, it's, it's those things that you like forget. You forget that you know. But for the most part, as I was listening, I do practice most of this stuff. So anyway, just wanted to say all that stuff. And um, this one is, doesn't, it gets off to kind of a slow start. Number six is just, I cried when I, as I was listening to it, it was just, uh, yeah as something I'm dealing with today, which I'll jump on at the end and tell you guys about. But um, just wanted to share this with you guys. Hope you enjoy it. You might want to have a notebook handy because I took notes on my own self. Like, I don't know. This is just powerful stuff. All right. Bye. Hello, cleaning buddies. Welcome to the podcast. This is Jen Lynn. Um, So every year, the week of Thanksgiving, I start my planning routine for the following year. And this has been no different. Um, I kind of decided to just start today. And I wanted to, I may not, um, I don't know if I'll upload this now or closer to New Year's. um, Because what I did was I sat here and I made a list of 22 in 2022, which is a list of 22 things I learned or really kind of like cemented my knowledge of in 2022. Um, for those of you who haven't been listening for very long or who don't remember, um, around the end of last year into the beginning of this year, um, I released a five-part workshop, I think. And I don't know, it was kind of like different. But one of the main things that I got out of that workshop, because um, I started it out for myself and then I realized it would be really good for you, for anyone listening to this. But I realized that... Um, Number one, I wanted to like build a foundation for myself. Like I realized that after I got out of um, my relationship that really who the hell was I? Because I didn't even know. Like I don't even think it wasn't that I wasn't a person or didn't have likes or things like that. It was just that I'd spent so many years, I believe like the prior 20 years, um, constantly engulfed in other people's everything like everybody else's everything was my whole point in business in life to the point where like I've one of the things I'm sitting down at the end of this year is like okay so where do I go from here because I feel like 2022 I I pretty much did what I needed to do with the foundation thing and one of my big things was how I talked to myself And I really feel like I've made a lot of progress, but like now it's like, okay, where do I go from here? Um, 
And so I'm going to share a lot of that process, progress, whatever with you guys. But today I want to share with you 22 things that I learned, discovered about myself, or really kind of practiced consistently in 2022. And number one, and I think maybe this is the most groundbreaking, important thing that I ever came up with um, or figured out for myself, and this aligns with one of the values I chose for this past year, which was curiosity. And I, number one is just because I don't feel like it does not mean I should decide not to. I think I finally got that phrased in a way that makes sense. So just because I don't feel like it does not mean I should decide not to. Um, Yesterday, I decided that I was going to um, straighten my house up just a little bit and I was going to use a Pomodoro timer video to do that. And so I did. And I got my kitchen, like I got my dishes flopped and I flip-flopped, whatever. And I um, got my living room fairly clean. And I did not want to, I didn't want, I was like, okay, let me just go in here and just start a little bit. And once I got into it, like once I was in there, I was like, well, I guess I could do this. Yeah, I guess I could do that. And I just kept doing more and more. Number two, how you speak to yourself matters. Um, you know, it's been over 20 years ago since I started really paying attention to that inner, we were always, uh, what I learned to call it was a tape, that inner tape that you have that's always playing. Um, I don't know that anyone that's not a Gen Xer would even know what a tape is anymore. But anyway, that constant thing that you play over and over again. And the first step is just to start listening to what you're saying. And I really, of course, through therapy and stuff like that, that helped a ton. But I really started listening to those things. And I was like, I, at one point in the year, I realized that the three different things I told myself, it was like whether I got a lot done, whether I didn't do anything, or whether I um, decided to take a break. The messages I got with every single one of those from myself were completely contradictory. And so basically it made it to where I could never do anything right. No matter if I did a lot, did nothing, or consciously chose to take a break, I was always wrong. And that goes into number three, which is that you may actually be speaking to yourself through an abuser's voice and not your own. Um, So I learned this from a video and then also my therapist said something about it. Um, I kind of like got down to the root of where some of those things came from. And I kind of felt bad because one of my kids was talking today about the person who I got it from. Um, and what they were doing while they were trying to take a break on their vacation and do something fun. Um, but it was like a, that's not acceptable. You must be doing. Um, and they had a to-do list and they were expected to do things off the other person's to-do list. So if you, especially if it's a contradictory message, I feel like, like if you have, if when you think about what you say to yourself, when you go through these different things, Um, I think it's possible that that's, that could be what's going on. Number four, you can't control circumstances ever, but you can choose a new thought. So I shared the model in the workshop, which actually don't think I'm supposed to share that. I, 
I learned it from a coach, but apparently it's something that you're supposed to go to a coaching school to teach or whatever. But I do share it in the workshop. I'm not going to share that, share that again outside of that. I'm just going to tell you that's where it is. But basically, you take a circumstance and, you know, it has to be fact. Like, it's totally objective if it was on videotape or if you... If you, your best friend, and your worst enemy, is what I always say, you, your best friend, and your worst enemy all saw the same event, you would all agree on what you're saying for your circumstance. And then what are you thinking about it? How are you feeling about what? How, what is that making you feel? What actions are you taking if that's what you're thinking and what are the results? And you can completely change the thought. Now, you have to practice the thought. So that's a thing. But what we get stuck on is trying to control circumstances and it's like you might as well just go outside and bang your head on a brick wall because it's not going to happen. But you can change how you think about things and this probably should have been on the list but I wasn't thinking about it. When you let go of controlling what other people think about you because here's the thing, you don't have control over it anyway. But when you can finally just let go of what other people think about you, what other people do, what other people say, like the freedom from that is like, I think it's just the, the embodiment of peace. It's so amazing. Okay. Number five, self-care is essential. It is not optional. It is not feel bad while you're doing it because you could be doing something else. It is the, I never like you hear it all the time. When you're on an airplane, they say, Put on your oxygen mask before you put on anyone else's, before you assist anyone else. You have to, because if you're capable of putting on your mask and you do, then you can help everybody else who's having trouble. But if you, if you're trying to help other people and they're trying to help other people and nobody ever gets their their own mask on, guess what? Everybody's going to (laughs) die. Okay. Not that serious, but like, um, it's not something where you should say, Like you can't keep putting it off. You have to make it a priority. You have to. Um, You can have all, well, I've got to do this and I've got to do that. And it's one of those things, if you don't make time for it, you'll be doing nothing but making time for it. Like your body, your mind, whatever will betray you because it needs assistance and it will make a pro- it will make a crisis it will make make a problem that you have no choice but to deal with um number 6 new things can feel wrong even peace so if you've been listening for a while you know one of the things that my therapist kind of helped me through this year was the fact that once everything settled down once my divorce was final once i finally had just resolution closure I don't know all of a sudden and I didn't even realize I was having panic attacks or anxiety attacks or whatever but being at peace having nothing to do having nobody's fire to put out it felt wrong and it was just because it was new it was just because I'd never I didn't know how to deal with that and I think it's probably also a signal, like the fact that I went through that is probably also a pretty good symptom of like a trauma bond. But um, I think it's a symptom of it, you know, like recognizing it and realizing what was going on. It's like, 
I, if I had in that moment decided to start dating, I would have been right back in the same thing. But now that I can actually enjoy my peace, now that I've worked on how I talk to myself, realized that I was hearing the voices of past abuse in my head, it wasn't really coming from me. It didn't make logical sense. Like once I had the time and the space to deal with all that, I don't think that I would ever, like, I think it'd be pretty difficult to get me back into somebody else's mess. Like, I just, I don't have time for it. I'm not interested. Goodbye. See you later. Um, number seven, grow your bubble. Uh, my daughter has been, she got this little set of bubble wand, uh, I mean, a little bubble wand um, at her trunk or treat. Halloween thing and I have a big thing of bubbles and we've been refilling the wand because we've been using it so much and uh because it's the wand thing it has you know you can make a really big bubble if you like back up slow down like blow at just the right speed and then you kind of have to do this one last little slightly bigger puff but if, if it's too big of a puff you'll pop the bubble but if it's not enough then it'll stick to the wand Anyway, my three-year-old comes up to me and she goes, because I would say to her, okay, I'm going to try, I'm going to try to blow a big one. And she comes up to me now and she goes, you try to blow a big one. You try to blow a big bubble. I'm like, okay, so this grow your bubble. My other thing, and this was really more of like, I guess I really came more to this conclusion last year around this time, but I really worked on it and kind of got it cemented this year. The whole thing actually says, grow your bubble, ignore what others are doing. So... I realized looking back that with my other kids, when they would get home after a visit with their dad, I would just, it's this feeling of like, I mean, probably not for a weekend, but like for a longer visit, it'd be like, oh, well, like, do they love him more now? Like, are they, do they hate me now? Like, did something happen? Like, did they have the best time ever? And every time they come back here, there's like, I would be so insecure about like, I don't know. And that's so crazy because like, here's a, here's the facts. People have had parents who are terrible parents and they still love their parents. Um, my dad at times could be really annoying, but my mom told me something about something that she felt. It was, we were actually just comparing stories about how I felt about something else. And when she said something about my dad, which was the same exact thing that I was saying about one of my kids' dads, I got so offended. But she was trying to show me like, see, I everybody goes through that because I kind of felt bad about it. But like, it made me mad. It was like, how dare you? <laughs> how dare you think things like that about my dad? But anyway, I'm just saying like, your your parents are your parents. And like, if you're even slightly a good parent, like seriously, your kids, you cannot be replaced. Okay. But I didn't think about things like that in a long time ago. And so whenever my daughter, Whenever I started having to do visitation with her and one day she came back and she'd been to a pumpkin patch and she loved pumpkins at the time. And I was like, why didn't I think to bring her to a pumpkin patch? And like, I was just so, I was drowning. I mean, there's so many other things going on at that time, like really stressful things. So I don't know that I would have acted, but it, I'm so glad that it happened because it snapped me out of it. I realized she came home. I was on the phone within a few minutes of her coming home, talking to my mom, I was so upset. And I was like, what am I doing? Like, she just got back. And I'm not even paying attention to her. I'm on the phone complaining. And I'm talking, not really talking about her. But I'm like upset 
about something that happened that involves her. And of course, she was barely two years old. She didn't even have any clue what was going on. But it snapped me out of it and made me think, I don't care what happens when she leaves this house. What happens when she comes home? And I realized that all those times that my kids came home and I was like insecure and maybe they told me something that happened and I probably was like, oh yeah, you know, kind of like made it. And I don't think I did that all the time. And I, you know, I try, I knew I, I was aware that whatever I said had an impact, but I wasn't, I never thought about my attitude. So when my three-year-old comes home now, I hug her really tight and we jump up and down and I say, I'm so happy you're home. I'm so happy you're home. And, uh, so, and that's actually more for me than it is for her. Um, it's to remind me what I want to focus on. And in that moment, I was like, okay, what kind of mom do I want to be? What kind of house? I don't want her to come home every single time and see me and be thinking that her coming home made me upset. That was the thing that I wanted to completely get rid of. And I have, and I won't say that right after that, I didn't call my mom a lot of times when she got home because sometimes I did because sometimes there were just things that bothered me and I was going through a lot and I did need support at that time. But as much as I could, I started focusing on what kind of, what kind of home do I want to have? What kind of person do I want to be? How do I want to show up for my kids? And it just became more and more. And you know, like my other kids have said things, my older kids have said things to me through the years. Like, um, I guess one of their, one of the parents, other parents always makes them feel bad about um, like money stuff. Like we never, I I can't afford that and that kind of stuff. She's like, one time one of my kids came, this was years ago and they were like, you never say that we don't have money. And one of the reasons, cause I feel a certain way about how you speak about things, but like that impacted them. Like that made them feel a certain way for that person to constantly be saying like, I can't afford that. I'm broke. Go ask this for, and it would, it would also be a thing of like your mom take so much money in child support. Like that was also a thing that was said. Um, but now I realize that I have to grow my own bubble, like what, and stay in my bubble too. Um, number eight, sorry. I, I talked a long time on that one. Number eight, I can change my mind. I can change my mind. I have a real hang up around flexibility a lot of times I feel like once I do, like if I write in a planner and I mess it up, like, I guess maybe I should say mistakes are okay or something like that, but like I can change my mind. And one of the re- most recent ways that this has, you know, like come up for me is with dating. Um, I decided for very poor reasons to join a dating app or a few of them. I don't know. And it was stressing me out really bad. And I just, I didn't even say goodbye to anybody that I was talking to. I just deleted it and left. Um, And I don't feel bad about it. So number nine, instead of catastrophizing, allow yourself to think of the most likely outcome. So this was a thing that I really, I didn't, 
it's so funny how many times, how, how often, like when you recognize that you're doing something, it becomes so much easier to stop when it stops becoming automatic and you actually think about it when you do it. It's like, wait, that's not helping. Um, so I used to be really bad about catastrophizing or I would say like going on the downward spiral. Um, one thing in particular was whenever I found out that I was going to have to allow, um, my ex to have overnight visitation, which I was trying to not, I didn't want to do that till she was a little bit older, but, um, it was supervised at first anyway. So it ended up like kind of being okay. But, um, I went on the spiral roller coaster to hell. Um, it was like, oh my gosh, what if they, like, what if they take her out of the country? Like, what if they like move away and, and go off with her and kidnap her? And, um, cause I know these, these rich relatives on that side of the family might, you know, and then I was like, okay, wait a minute. The people that I'm thinking would go and do this are like, they have established families. So it's like, okay, what's the worst, what's the most likely outcome? Like, my daughter's not the easiest to deal with. Like, <laughs> honestly, at first it was like, okay, she's ready to come home. And that was kind of one of the things that really got me and my ex off on a really good start was that although I do believe some of it was because he couldn't deal with it, he was making good choices as far as saying, hey, she's, you know, he of course would say that it was her but I think she needs to come home. She's really not, she's missing you. And, and like, we're in like my oldest child, her dad was like, it did not matter. It was going to be, she would come home with every number and her phone changed to, you know, take me out at her stepmom, his mom, things like that, like crazy stuff. And I was like, wow that's maybe this is going to be okay. And so far it really has. And I think one of the main reasons, because we have a lot of people praying about us, but, um, but I just started saying, okay, what's the most likely outcome going to be? Um, and even like if he would be a couple minutes late bringing her home, oh my gosh, they've been in an accident. What if he like had a heart attack and died in the, his apartment over the weekend and she's been alone for two, like, seriously, this is where my mind goes. It's like, okay, what's the most likely outcome? And then the other thing is, what can I do about it? Um, Because there really was, there was one time he was like five minutes late and had not even texted me to say he was coming, which was very unusual. But I mean, like people don't always do the exact same things or whatever. But um, I was like, okay, so I'm going to text. And if that's not responded to, then I'm going to call. And if I don't get a response from that, then I'm going to call the police. And that was my, and that's what I followed through with. I had to make a phone call, but he answered the phone. So like that was, um, but I made a plan instead of just sitting there and freaking out about it. Um, Number 10, mental health is a daily practice for everyone who wants to stay regulated. Um, So I have... um, or I'm like, I'm not diagnosed with it, but I mean, you know, you can read about it and other people's experiences and be like, okay, yeah, I'm pretty sure I have that. So I feel like I have alexithymia, which means like, sometimes my feelings don't feel like hunger to me can feel like my life is over depression. 
Um, and then like panic attacks just feel like nothing. (laughs) But if I think about the other things going around it, and it's not always like that. Sometimes I can feel things a certain way or whatever, but I have a really hard time identifying emotions and things like that. My, um, what I'd done my whole life up to the last two years, um, before these past two years was to just, who cares about feelings? I, I don't have time for that. And then until, like I said before, your body makes it where you, you're going to have to have time for that. So, um, that has, uh, what I find is the antidote to that is doing something for my mental health every day, whether it be journaling, gratitude, prayer, like it can be lots of stuff, but do something for your mental health every day. Um, it's, just like we would do for our physical health, for our nutritional health, um, you need to do things towards your mental because it's a t- it's part of your overall health. It doesn't mean that you're crazy. It just means that if you would give, if you eat to stay healthy, if you exercise to stay healthy, if you drink water to stay healthy, if you take vitamins, why not do something that helps your mental health? Because it's all one thing. You're one person. It's all part of you. Number 11, stay true to you. Don't let someone's actions change your response. Um, I was just having a conversation with a friend about this the other day because somebody had done something and I really think that it's possible the person could have just had something going on that she's not aware of, but the, the friend was in the similar situation and they were like, okay, well, I'm going to do that to them. And then she felt horrible about it um and decided that she was not gonna after all do that there's this meme that I see from time to time and I it's to me it's so disgusting and absolutely no shade if you've ever posted it yourself because I probably have at one point too but there's this meme and it says something along the lines of like my attitude depends on your attitude it's like, okay, let's think about that. If we all do that, then we, we're going to have a problem. <laughs> um, don't let somebody change who you are. Because if somebody comes at you with an attitude, it does not mean that you act nice and you smile in their face and take it. That's not what that means. What it means is don't act in a way that is not who you are or who you aim to be. Um, because what will happen is that you're going to feel guilty for that because it's not who you are, especially if it's like, cause that's what this person was saying. Like they felt so guilty. Like they couldn't even sleep the idea of doing that to somebody else. And I was like, exactly. So you have to be true to who you are. Do not let somebody else change who you are as a person. Like, and I realized that I've spent my whole life doing that to the point where, like I said, I'm not even quite sure, you know, It's like, what is important to me? That's why I had to go all the way back to foundations this year. Um, Number 12. And this is going to seem like, duh. But effort works. You can change and build skills. I got to see where I'm at on my time because I feel like I've been talking. Oh, that's not so bad. Um, So yeah, effort works. You can change and you can build skills. You can change a lot of things in your life through effort. I never believed it. I realize now after reading the book Mindset by Carol Dweck, how much I have spent my life, um, like 
not, um, like feeling like, okay, well, if I can't just do this naturally, then I just need to stop. And I just need to not even try. Um, I'm going to fail. Well, yeah, of course you're going to fail if it's something you've never done before. This stupid thing with a stupid ceiling has gotten me to be a true believer in this thing about effort. Not only that, but like the stuff with my mental health, that is something consistently for almost two straight years now that I've been doing and it works. Um, I don't want to sit here and break down every single thing, but I actually don't catastrophize like that anymore. If I do get off track, I don't, it doesn't become like a thing where I can't sleep at night. I don't have the spiraling out of control, intrusive thoughts and things like that. And I don't, I mean, everybody is, everybody should be somewhat concerned with how other people think and feel about their own actions. Like if I hurt someone's feelings or something like that, but that thing that keeps you from being true to yourself, that kind of not, or that kind of worrying about what other people think or like letting go of your own boundaries because of what somebody might think or they're going to think you're mean, like that is not really a thing for me anymore. And it's through consistency. It's through the effort that I've put in. And it really like a lot, it's just, it's felt like a little snail's pace thing, but it's like now here I am almost two years into it. And it's like, oh wow, my life is different and better. Number 13. Oh, and this goes right along with it. Small actions build up. It is like a tidal wave. And it's really only been recently that I've really noticed this, but it's because I've never, I've done a little bit and it's like, oh, I don't have a big payout yet. Forget it. Like consistency, consistency, small actions build up. I even put an exclamation point at the end of that one. It's like the only one I did that for. Number 14. Oh, this is such a good one. Setting priorities and using them for decision-making is life-changing. Um, so while I haven't really had a purpose, like I just did a thing about where I was looking at last year, the, over the last year, and like one of the words I wrote to describe the past year has been aimless in a way. Like I've been working on myself. I've been like completely all about my mental health and healing and everything else. But as far as like having a a destination, I've just been aimless. But when it comes to making decisions about different things day to day um, or bigger ones, setting priorities and using them to make all the decisions it really has, um, it helps you stick to your boundaries. Um, it helps you to be confident in the decisions that you're making, because if you have this list and you're like, this is why this decision makes sense for me. If you have something like that to point to and your list is things like number one, I'm going to do what's best for me and my kids. Number two, I'm, uh, whatever I do is for my healing. And number three, I'm not going to help anybody else when it costs, you know, what that cost ends up costing me money. Um, so because I was making a lot of decisions, I had a lot of, I got burned quite a few times when I tried to help someone and it ended up costing me money. So I made that one of my priorities. Anyway, um, number 15, do nothing without first setting its purpose. Wow, the things you wish you'd known. 
So I may have spoken about this before, but recently I realized that um, every time that I've used a planner, well, for instance, okay, this is a really good point because the 90-day planner that I've used successfully multiple times, that planner, like part of the whole thing is that it, you set a goal and you work toward the goal in the planner. So you set a purpose before you even begin. But every other time that I've tried to use a planner, I haven't done that. And so I was watching this YouTube video, something about planners the other day. And she said, before you start trying or maybe it was on Skillshare. I don't know. But anyway, it was like, before you even try blah, 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 blah. It was like, you need to figure out what your purpose for the planner is. And it makes so much sense because it's like, what, um, like you see all these different trackers and Dutch doors and this little cutout thing or pull out thing and this and that, but what, what are you using it for? Like, what is the purpose of your planner? Why do you need one? What do you want to use it for? And is it working for that? And so it's like, oh yeah, that would make a lot of sense. That would keep me from putting a lot of wasted stuff in there. And then I'd be able to make sure that I was using it. Um, I'd probably be more consistent with something that actually had a point. Um, and I think also one of the things that helped me finally get my butt moving on the ceiling project is my daughter was having a lot of meltdowns. And I realized if I fix the ceiling, then when she's, if she wakes up too early, I can sit her in my bed with the TV on while I stand right here and get ready in this mirror where I'm basically facing her and I could get this out of my uh, back entryway. I could get this moved over here. I could have my closet back again. Oh my gosh, I could use this wall over here to set up my um, like planning board and this would be a place where I would look at it every single day. Like I started giving it a purpose. Like I started having a purpose of why I wanted to get it done so badly. And all of a sudden in a couple of weekends, the amount of progress I've made has been astounding. Um, okay. So number 15, do nothing without first setting its purpose. Number 16, look for what is working, what is good, what is right. I caught myself really focused on the negative. Um, like right as we were going from summer into fall. And then one week, for some reason, I think something good just happened. And then I looked for something else good that, you know, I was like, oh, what else is good? And I started thinking about what was good. And I just started noticing more and more good. And this one ties in to the next one, number 17, which is focus is everything. So... One of the things, and I'm going to share this in a separate episode, but when I was doing some pre-planning for this next year coming up, one of the pages had me do like, what are the good things that you're doing towards this? And what are the things that are, you know, not helping you in your life and your habits and activities and whatever. And everything that I wrote on the good side was completely aligned to my priorities. And I was like, wow, when I focus on that, that's what happens. And then the stuff that was in the bad column that was like not working for me was whenever I was 
pretty much aimless and without focus. And yeah, and it's the same way. When you're looking for bad, you find bad. When you're looking for good, you find good. So focus really is everything. And same thing with like the ceiling thing. When I would go in there and just be like, this is impossible. Like, I don't even know what to do. Like, I don't know how to start. Versus when I would go in there and just be like, okay, what can I do right now? What's the next step? What's the next step? And just, yeah, focus. Number 18, allow real distractions. So after my daughter got picked up, my youngest got picked up today for her holiday with her dad. I had time to take a shower. I got out. I was getting ready to do the speed clean on my house, which I still have yet to do. And I realized that my door was opening and here came another daughter coming back in. And she was frustrated with some stuff going on where she was. And she made an excuse to come and get something for my house. And my first thing was to just tell her to leave because I had stuff to do. And like, I've been waiting all day for actually like for the last couple days to have this chance to do this. And, but I didn't, I decided to take the time and sit with her for a minute. It will actually, first I told her, well, if you're going to be here, you got to help clean. And she actually helped me straighten up a lot of the toys and stuff in the living room. So that was really helpful. But like, I allowed that to just happen. Like it didn't go along with my plans, but like I can, my plans could be flexible. I decided to use, to choose to be flexible in that moment. And, but so what we don't want to allow, the kind of distractions we don't want to allow are like social media, watching videos, binge watching a bunch of stuff. But like if it's a real distraction, like, a, and it aligns to my priorities, what's in the best interest of me and my kids? Well, I haven't seen her in a few days, so that was the priority at that time. Um, And it kind of goes along with the next one, 19, life ends, and you won't know who's or when. Um, Yeah, um, I guess if you just go back a couple weeks from this week, within the last 12 months, I had two family members pass away. Um... And also just like I had some people that I was close to move away. Um, And that's just, you know, like what is more important, speed clean or having a few minutes with my daughter? Yeah, because like you never know. Um, And yeah, there's times when you have to do the thing. And you have to, like, you just have to for whatever reason. But when it's, you know, when you have some wiggle room, I've always been so inflexible. And so it's one of the things I have on my list for this year coming up. And I, I mean, I've been more flexible recently, but like, yeah. Um, number 20, it is never too late to ride a stick horse. <laughs> um, Yeah, I don't know if I've told this story, but my mom, when she was a kid, her and a friend of hers were riding stick horses through their neighborhood. And I want to say they were like nine or 10, maybe. And her favorite teacher from school saw them and grabbed the stick. They were just sticks. They, my mom was poor. Um, They didn't have 
stick horses. They had sticks. And came out and took the sticks from them and told them that they were too old to ride stick horses. So I think for like my mom's 65th birthday or something, I bought her a stick horse off of Etsy and I made a little sign on it that said, you're never too old to ride a stick horse. Um, cause like you're not, it's never too, too late to be who you could have been. Like there's always something that you can do. Um, it really is not too late as long as you have breath in your lungs. Um, you know, so I don't know. I just, it's something that's been on my mind lately. Along with number 21, what matters to you may not matter to others. And that is okay. Um, you're not always going to see eye to eye. Your values and priorities may not match someone else's and that's okay. You can still be friends even. Um, one of the reasons that this one really sticks out to me is because, you know, that story that my mom told and even that gift that I gave her was really more of like a, a thing for myself. Like it was really more of a, something that I just found really profound, but I don't know, about a month ago or so, um, my daughter was riding the stick horse around and I was like, my mom was like, I don't know where that came from. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, um, now at the time I gave it to her, she just thought it was like the best thing ever. But I mean, what's a 65 year old going to do with a stick horse? I guess. I don't know. Um, number 22, validate your own worth. Like now I firmly believe that if you, um, are a follower of Jesus, then the Bible gives you plenty of information about who you are and who you are in God's eyes. And I believe that's first and foremost. But the other thing is validate your own worth. One of the things that I had to do for my pre-planning stuff or one of the exercises was to write about like your life. If you did everything you possibly could to screw your life up over the next year, what would that look like? And one of the things that I wrote was that I jumped into a new relationship because I needed somebody else to, to like me or love me so that I could know that I was worthy. And this is all, you know, like to mess things up. Okay. So like, this is not what you should do. And what I realized from that was that, um, if I were to jump into a relationship, like, and even whenever I, I joined the dating site, it was kind of because something had happened and it, I felt kind of like, like, well, maybe, maybe that can never happen for me again or something like that. And I think it was like, I needed to validate or I thought finding somebody would validate that. Yeah, I am still, you know, worth whatever, worthy of other people's attention and time and whatever. But like, you have to do that for yourself. You have to be able to validate yourself, your own worth. And I don't know if I ever uploaded anything about it, but you know, that weekend I realized I was, well, actually it wasn't that weekend. And I think I did upload something about this. It was the following weekend. I was cleaning my house and I just got this wave of like feeling like I'm all alone 
And I was like, wait a minute. I had like six people talking to me. Like I am alone by choice. Um, and it just kind of like, you know, it made me feel like, yeah, this is my choice to be like this. And, um, I don't know, like, I'm not, I mean, at this point, honestly, somebody would have to be like, there would have to be some serious, like, fireworks, bells, whistles, and I don't even know what for me to even be like, okay with somebody, you know, being with somebody. Um, and a lot of that's because I feel like my peace is too important. My priorities are too important. Meaning like making sure that me and my kids are okay. Like I won't sacrifice that for anybody. Um, and obviously the right person wouldn't ask me to do that or expect me to do that, but, um, I don't need outside validation and it's, I'm more and more it's coming from what God says about me and from how I feel about myself. Um, and it, it takes work and it takes thinking about stuff and it takes rewiring your brain a little bit, but it's definitely worth it. So I hope you guys have enjoyed my 22 things that I learned in 2022. Join me next year for 23 and 23, where we just add one extra thing. Um, but yeah, I've, um, and writing this list also, even though like I don't have any major goals that I accomplished last year, except for potty training my daughter. Um, I do feel like this list makes me feel like I did exactly what my original plan was from January, which was to focus on building a strong foundation. And I think that's exactly, um, what I've done. And now I'm ready to, you know, start building the first floor, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, I will talk to you guys later. Bye. Okay, guys, I'm jumping back on here at the end because this is so crazy, but just, it wasn't even that long ago, sometime last week, that last thing I said about validate your own worth, and I was talking about my peace being more important, my priorities being more important, I came across something the other day, and it said, um, oh, it was the speech prof on YouTube, it's his channel, and he was talking about this woman DM'd him, and she said, all these guys think that they are competing against the top, <laughs> I don't know if she said <coughs> 10-15% of guys or whatever, but they're really competing with my piece, because like a man has to be more, like he has to be better than no man at all, basically, and it's so funny, because it was like I was having some new revelation, but I just said it in my own words right here. And this was recorded back in um, November. Um, I'm going to put a thing at the beginning of this as well. But um, I've been sitting here. I've listened to this entire thing. I've been sitting here writing the list down again because when I went to look for it, I couldn't find it. I've been searching for this episode to share with you guys for... Uh, since January, I've been looking for it. I couldn't find it today. For some reason I saw November 22nd and I was just like, Oh, let me, cause that's the day I actually recorded it. And I was like, Oh, let me, maybe it's here. And there's several from November 22nd. 
the first one that I clicked on happened to be this one. And I've been searching for this. I went all the way. I guess I thought I did it back in October or something. Anyway, so many things that I got from this, listening to this again, it was stuff that I really needed to hear today. Like really, really needed to hear today. So many of these things have come back up and a lot of it is because I've gotten out of the practice of my mental health every day. And so I just wanted to share that last little piece with you guys. And also number six, oh my gosh, I don't think I wrote that down. I don't think I'll ever forget it again. <laughs> Cause I've been struggling today with, um, with, I'm trying to make up some new plans, do some new things. New things can feel wrong, even peace. Like what? Oh my gosh. And that's exactly, I was just trying, it didn't feel right to me because it's something new. Anyway, I didn't want to end this without ending it with my new motto, which is keep doing hard things, guys. Love you. Bye.